Yo, I'm Shay Serrano. And I'm Brandon Jinx Jenkins. We have a new show called No Skips with Jinx and Shay. In it, we discuss the most unskippable albums in hip-hop history. New episodes drop on Thursdays, only on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. New rewatchables coming on Monday night. It is, in my opinion, one of the best movies of the last 30 years. Certainly one of the most influential and important. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it is coming on Monday night. Took four people to do this podcast. It's an anniversary pod. So stay tuned for that. If you missed part one, me and Rosillo, we did it before the Bucks-Hawks game and covered the West and a whole bunch of other storylines. This is part two. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, tape of this. It is 8.05 Pacific time on Sunday night. Just watch Bucks-Hawks game three. Well, that sucked. Um, Whoa, which talk- part? Did it? I, it had the potential for an awesome game, and then Trey stepped on the referee's foot, and then you could just kind of feel where it was going with about six minutes left. I was really ready for Trey versus the Bucks, crowd going nuts. Uh, Trey potentially getting 50 points. Like I, everything was on the table. Then all of a sudden it turned into a really impressive Chris Middleton show. But now the Bucks are up 2-1 and in control of the series. Middleton's the headline of this 20 points in the fourth quarter. I, he did mm. everything. I mean, he got Bogdanovich. They were looking for Herder. Um, I think there was even a Gallo drive. There's a there couple the Gallos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gallo so, was, had him a couple times. So he got... He got kind of everybody. He was lo- the people lost him a few times. I mean, that's that version of Milwaukee is really, really scary because Giannis carried him with his drives offensively for such a long time. Atlanta was still in this. I mean, they were up, I think, 98, 96 after trade come in a couple minutes later. Uh, we've talked about all the different people that helped Atlanta there, but Middleton's the headline. It was 95, 88 Hawks, and then the wheels came off the Middleton torch. Everybody, so you know. This is the recurring theme of these playoffs. If they had this guy, if this guy wasn't hurt, if that guy wasn't hurt, I'm pretty sure DeAndre Hunter would have been guarding Middleton down the stretch there. He's nowhere to be seen. He's hurt. Reddish 
This was another guy, another 3 and D guy they spent a top 10 lottery pick on. He's not out there either. He's hurt. And well, he came back for like a... I mean, yeah, he's actually, but he's... You he's, can't put him in, I don't think. Can't put him in. Right. So you got Bogdanovich is on one, knee, one leg. You have Salmon Hill, who you just get zero offense if he's out there. And, and then Gallo and Herter. And it's not a good matchup. Um, it's starting to look like we might have two series done uh, after five games. Unless... Trey, they do whatever. I didn't like how his ankle looked. I didn't like how he was moving. I didn't like his body language. It felt like he was legit hurt. I think he's a tough guy. So when he went back to the locker room, I was like, oh no. Like, and it seemed kind of fluky. Did you see the replay of when he stepped on it? It's a weird way for your foot to go. You know? Yeah. It was because almost the, like a backward sprain. Yeah, the ref was behind him and he, you know, I kind of like when you start, you'll kind of go backwards first. And yeah. so when you go to step and you're expecting to be flat service and all of a sudden it isn't, it's like an awful feeling. And then when he was down, I didn't know if he was just mad or complaining because he was that. But then it's like, okay, so now he's in the back. Um, when he came back, though, I mean, he hit he hit one three when he got Middleton in a switch because uh, there's something else I want to talk about training the Giannis switches a little bit later. And then he had a full court deal where he actually went pretty quick, I thought, end to end. So... I think he's going to be back for game four. I don't know how much it limited to him. I don't know that you could just sit there and say, hey, if Trey's fine, then they go ahead and win the game. They did stick him in the corner a few times. And then he had that other attempt at the rim where he, he didn't get a foul. I mean, his body language, I would say, is not exactly great, even at the best of times. Like He's, he's an ornery player. A lot of the best players are uh, most of the time. But based on him, the way he ran, but it's going to feel worse probably tomorrow. So we'll see. Bucks seem like they've, not discovered because I think they knew this, but now they have full command of it. The Middleton matchup, he's a little streaky. It's a little Paul Georges. We talked about Paul Georges, 1B superstar. Middleton is probably a 1C superstar, but can look really good on the right night. But the, the more important thing for me is how easy Giannis is scoring. And I, I think he tapped into this in the Brooklyn series, but there's some low post stuff going on with him now and some confidence with... uh that little step back fall away. And then when he, when he kind of backs dudes down for like the jump hook or the spin move that I thought he found during that Brooklyn series. I know he was doing it during the regular season, but in the playoffs, we weren't seeing it that much. It was all face up, face up, face up. I think he's devastating when he's posting up. I really think teams panic. They don't know what to do. They don't know really how to stop it and they don't want him to do it. And if anything, he should be doing it more, but that little, uh, that little one-legged follow-away that he's developed um, where he could just shoot over whoever he wants. And it's just like, it's just like a 10-foot shot that he makes every time. He's got like four or five options. And it was making me think watching tonight, you know, we would talk about whatever the ceiling of him is as a player. Like, there is going to be stuff over these next couple of years that I feel like he's going to add a lot like LeBron did, Kobe did, stuff like that. But I just think he's really tough to guard down there. And when you get to the Phoenix series next round, assuming... That's the matchup. He's going to be a really hard guy to guard unless it's Aiden. I don't really know who else could even handle him on the low post, right? That's where Phoenix, you know, going back to the first Lakers thing is where you worry about it. And even in part one, we were talking about Aiden staying on the floor, even if the Clippers um, wanted to go small, but the Clippers kept, you know, Zubac in because they didn't want to go small against Aiden because he's not exposed like other bigs. But, you know, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. Like, I'm not ready to completely write off Atlanta here, by the way. You seem like it's done. I think they're too... They're they're just too depleted. 
I don't think it's realistic. And even if you think about game one, they probably shouldn't have won game one. There was, Milwaukee had four different plays in that game where if they just make a hoop, the game's over. And it just kept, they kind of kept letting Atlanta hang around. And then all of a sudden Atlanta was leading. But I feel like they let that one slip away. They were obviously completely in control of game two. And then game three, it just seemed like they had two really easy matchups to score. And I, I didn't think McMillan coached a good game, by the way. I thought he he kept Collins. <laughs> no way. No, yeah. No, I've liked the, what McMillan's done this year. But I just think when somebody gets a fourth foul, that doesn't mean you have to send them to Siberia for the rest of the game until there's six minutes left. Like, they needed him out there. I also really like a Kongwu. And... You know, I just don't know if they were playing their best five guys the last six minutes. Bogdanovich couldn't do anything. You know, I, I think he was like three for 16, three for 17. I just don't think he looks right. I would have tried different lineups. I would have played Capella and Okongwu together. I, you know, I would have tried every sort of everything with the emphasis being who can stop Middleton. Like, could Okongwu have guarded him? Okongwu? I can't, I still can't say his name. Could he have guarded him? Could you have tried Capella on him? Like, what? Could you have done a Twin Towers thing? What could you have done to try to switch it? Because it was really clear with four minutes left, even though it was a close game, it was like, this is over. They don't have the right lineup out there. They're not going to be able to match baskets with them. So I don't know. I just thought he was asleep in the fourth. The Collins part, I'll agree with you because you were looking and you're like, wow, you really, you, you sent him off there. I think sometimes the bigs, you're more worried about them with the fourth foul than the wings. It feels like wings yeah. kind of do a better job of managing their own fouls. I mean, the biggest thing of this entire series is the Lopez part of it because Lopez. I'm going to use an example here. I remember talking to an SEC coach and their team played against Johnny Manziel. And all week, the coach was telling me in the lead up because they played him and Manziel had a really good game. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, what happened this week against Manziel? He goes, we told these fucking guys, we told them all week, like, you think you're going to have him and you're not going to have him. You're not going to have him. And they just weren't ready. They just weren't ready. Like we told them and they weren't ready. Now, you could also add in that it, there's nothing easier than a coach saying, hey, we had them coached up and they're ready to go. And then the players screwed it up. But he was so specific about it in this matchup. Now, look, it's not like they haven't seen Trey Young yet this year. So it's a little different than a college football game. We're only playing the guy one time. But it felt like in the first game where you go and let's face it, a lot of coaches are stubborn. Budenholzer is probably it, it had one seed in stubbornness. And I thought in that first game when we kept talking about Lopez with the drop coverage, Lopez with the drop coverage and how deep he was playing back because you're asking to protect the rim. I mean, it's just a really hard thing to do for centers. So everybody becomes a drop coverage expert overnight. But when I went back <laughs> and watched it, it's like, well, if you're going to ask him to play this coverage this deep, can you really play him all the time? But then if you take Lopez out, you know, is he a big that's spreading the other big further away? Because Atlanta's core five is they want to play Capella and they want to play Collins at the same time. All right. So now we go to game two. Trust me, I'll make this as quick as I can. Game two, Lopez busted his ass. All right. But they also made every shot. The yeah. Hawks turned it over a ton. And that game was like over within a half an hour sitting on your couch. So I still didn't quite know. And as we've learned throughout years of playoff games with this newer NBA is that there can be a center who looks unplayable in game two. And then is a huge part of the victory and story in game three. I mean, it just happens. Lopez didn't come back at 925 or the fourth. He only played 25 minutes tonight. So at 925, they never brought him back in. So it was the PJ, Pat Connaughton, Middleton, Drew and Giannis closing five. Um, there might be a time where Lopez looks terrific and stays out there to close. But that's where there's still kind of this, this unknown where Lopez almost looked unplayable in game one, 
was a huge part of the success early of game two. And by the way, in game one, they didn't play in the last 14 minutes as they were trying to figure that game out. So that yeah. Lopez part of it is still something where I don't know what Budenholzer is going to try to do. I also don't know if Atlanta, with your Twin Towers approach, if they say, hey, this is us beating them up on the boards. It's more bodies against Giannis. I agree. Okongwu had a couple terrific possessions against Giannis. Maybe it prevents him from getting deeper catches. But yeah. There's all stuff that's connected where if you're doing this on this end, thinking you have some advantage because you tried a different lineup, you might feel like, hell, we're way too slow um, offensively. We don't have enough spacing, and now our, our own driving lanes are cut off because we're going with two big guys all the time. So I just I want to point out that Lopez thing because we're still through three games through, and I'm not quite sure. Like, I think it's going to be a game-to-game situation how it's playing out. I hate plus-minus, but he was minus 17 today, and it felt like it. But you you made the key point. Nine and a half minutes left. That lineup they put in, the Hawks just had a lot of trouble with. And, you know, if Trey is making 30-footers and doing Trey stuff, we're probably not having this conversation. But it just seemed... What, what would concern me if I'm Atlanta is when they go small like that, the Milwaukee, they just had two... Uh, they were getting great shots. It wasn't just that Middleton was hot. Those shots were good shots or they were open or... You know, I liked every shot they took. I liked all the shots Giannis took. Milwaukee's had these stretches where, you know, they don't necessarily, I don't necessarily love their shots, but I just think it's a lot to ask with Atlanta with to not have Hunter and, and Reddish and some of the dudes there. Hunter, Hunter's know. a huge, because uh, he was so much fun and it was like, wow, this guy feels like he's taking a big step. But, you know, look, they've been through the playoffs for the most part without him. The, uh, the, the yeah, but now but we're going up levels though, you know, and this right. is the series where they actually... I, I think really, really needed him compared to like Philly. You don't need here's, to here's defend what I like Tybal. This is what I'm hearing. You sound bummed out because you're a Trey Young fan now and you want them to be up 2-1 to lead to the no, you know what oh I'm my bummed God out? story. I, I was ready for an awesome game. Like I really thought all the ingredients, the chef was in the kitchen. He's like, hey, what are you making? Oh, no, hold on. It's going to be, I have something really good for you tonight. I'm like, great. It smells awesome. Is that saffron? That's expensive. Yeah, like, oh, man. Are you making a salad too? This is a fantastic meal. And then Trey stepped on the ref's foot and it, the game went sideways. And even though Middleton was awesome, and if you're a Bucks fan, you're super delighted by it. I just, how, how many times do we have to see this monkey wrench injury? And by the way, LeBron, if you're going to do the tweet about another injury, this is what ha I told everybody would happen this season. It's like Trey's getting hurt in any season scenario, stepping backwards on a ref's foot. So let's not blame uh, the season on that injury. But it's just wait, it, really Milwaukee's going to benefit from this again. They, they there's no way they would have beaten Brooklyn, even if Kyrie didn't get hurt. They're losing to Brooklyn now. They're now with Atlanta, who I think they probably would have beaten anyway. I don't know, but this was the pivotal game, and they get it because Trey steps on somebody's foot. It just bummed me out. We've already said it on the pod, right? That if we thought if the it's just if they had had Harden full strength, we said next, it last week. And okay, I, right. yeah, if they had all three guys, the series goes five games. If Kyrie never gets hurt, I don't think it goes more than six. And even it went seven, and they and it took OT, and they they had one and a half guys. Honestly, I think if all three of those guys played, it would have been lucky for any team to get them to six games in a series. And uh, you know that's. Here, let me let me wait. Can I give you two more facts of this game? Yeah, but I just need to point out one other thing after that. Yeah. Then. All right. Bucks only played seven guys, basically. Forbes, Forbes played seven minutes. Hustling but, Forbes. But but is basically like eh, these I trust these seven. That's it. 
Then you look at the Hawks. They play nine. Solomon Hill plays 15 minutes, doesn't take a shot. Almost puts up a Mark Titus Club trillion. Uh, Lou Williams played 18 minutes, was one for three. And Okongwu played nine minutes. So they, they're they basically down to like six and a half guys too. And sometimes this happens in the in the NBA playoffs because you're like, all right, it's our our best against your best. In this case, I don't think either team wants to play six and a half, seven guys, but there's really no other option. And Milwaukee's bench is basically cratered, except for uh, Portis was pretty good tonight. Portis but, has been good. Uh, yeah, Portis gave them some energy and some minutes. And then with the Hawks, like you look at that bench and it's basically like Gallo, Okongwu, and I don't trust anyone else. I'd have to look at the second spectrum stuff like per possession, who was defending who and how. And then even sometimes the tracking for like, hey, this guy went four for eight against him. So that means he didn't defend him as well as a guy against two for eight. And you look at the two for eight guy and you're like, he was way more open than the two for eight guy. And it's just a matter of making or mm. missing. But Portis plays Trey completely differently. Like he doesn't drop at all. He, and he was talking about this after game two. He comes right up and tries to stay in front of him. Um, another thing that I've noticed throughout the has a little too, sass too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of sass. I don't think like, like there's yeah. definitely a Portis Jay Crowder some sort of uh big incident that will take five minutes to untangle in Game Three of the Finals. We're headed for. Um, the other thing is, you know, Trey when he gets Giannis in a switch, he doesn't want to go. He got him on a three. Yeah, um, he may have got him one other time or something like that. But you can see that they'll do something where they'll be like, okay, wait, you know, this is not the switch. They even try to do a couple things where they ran him through stuff and then he ended up with Giannis again. So that's something that you're noticing more and more three games in is that Trey is, I wouldn't even call it apprehensive. He's just less likely to to want to screw. He got Giannis on the foul in the first half. They didn't give him the free throws. Um, but it's just, it's just something I noticed where he's not in attack mode off the dribble when he gets Giannis in the switch. And well, you just... Do you also notice as soon as he was a little compromised, Drew Holiday is like, "Oh, cool, I'm now I'm now going to be uh, right next to you in your jersey on every move." You, you know what? Else get I by noticed. him after that. The other thing I noticed is that the biggest complaint with with Coach Bud against the Nets is that Harden comes back in and they never attack him. Right? Yeah, they had scored points, but they never attack him. They never there's when you have Lou Williams and Trey Young in there at the same time, even when Trey wasn't dealing with the ankle thing, you're looking at it going, don't you want to like figure out ways to, but it's just not really what they do. It's just not yeah. really what they do. They're not going to run ISO high screen and roll for Drew Holiday the whole time. I mean, Giannis worked and Middleton was unstoppable. If Ben Simmons were funnier though, shouldn't he tweet out like Solomon Hill, I see you. My Ben Simmons or Philly's Ben Simmons? Phil, if his career I could have my peril. Ben Simmons do it just to, just to mess with people. Uh, we're taking a break. When we come back, I want to have a serious conversation about whoever wins this year, whether this will be the worst NBA champ of, of our lifetime. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new. Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. All right. So I say this without shade. I say this without any vindictiveness <laughs> at all. 
And I don't even like the word worst because worst insinuates that something bad has happened. It's a great thing to win the NBA title. It's not Milwaukee's fault that everybody got hurt. It's not Phoenix's fault that everybody got hurt. Somebody's got to win. So I will use the word least impressive. I made a list of my least impressive NBA champs since the merger. <laughs> the list is 06 Heat, 2011 Mavs, 03 Spurs, 98 Bulls, 94 Rockets, 78 Bullets. And I will explain by least impressive where you can look at how they won the title and either say like, wow, they only had Dirk. That was their only A-lister and they won. They beat all these teams won the title. Now, I happen to love that 2011 Mavs team. They totally deserved it. I'm just saying like historically when we parachute down and we look at this stuff when we go, wow, that team won the title? I think those are the six. And the 06 Heat, you know, they had Wade, Young Wade and Shaq. 94 Rockets had Akeem, who's the top 13 guy ever. 98 Bulls had the greatest player of all time. Scotty couldn't move. Rodman was basically almost an alcoholic at that point and, they, and a bunch of role players. Spurs was just Duncan. And the 78 Bullets, I'll, t I'll talk about in a second. But just in general, we are going to emerge from the playoffs with a team that I think is going to leave everyone even more confused than everyone on that list. My fear is how much will we remember? Um, because you and I are pretty into basketball. We're pretty into the NBA and the history of it all. But, you know, nobody remembers the history better than that fan base. So whenever you're looking through all these titles, like I'll remember that Toronto played Golden State without Durant and then Clay blowing out his ACL. And I don't think it's disrespectful to say, hey, you probably weren't That's winning another that one. one. Yeah, I thought about including them too, but at least like Kawhi was incredible that year. But yeah, you're right. They should probably be on there too. But then it becomes, well, what's the standard? Who you went through or who you have on that team? Uh, because even Toronto, it's Kawhi and, you know, look, Lowry's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't know what the rest of that roster is going to be, but it's not like, like say Siakam becomes Gasol, a Hall of Famer. Gasol, Ibaka, those are all like, they, both, both of those guys might make the Hall of Fame too. I mean, right. considering the standards Ibaka, for foreign players and stuff, I'm yeah. telling you, he's going to make it. You know, you Roger a, made it. You think Ibaka is going to make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think foreign players, they, it's an easier, it's basically like the easy pass on the highway. Gasol definitely will. Uh, Both I'm, of them are going to make it, I'm telling you. All right, so anyway, but okay, but when you look at that team, will you go, wow, that was four Hall of Famers? Because it didn't feel like four Hall of Famers when Toronto was playing, okay? So the same thing for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee wins it all this year, Giannis Hall of Famer, Middleton Hall of Famer. I know this sounds insane, but I'm with you. Like whenever there's a kind of, do you think Drew Holiday is really a Hall of Famer? When it's all said and done, all these guys get in. Everybody gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, I mean, well, maybe nice the maybe the parallel is the eleven maps because Dirk was awesome. Dirk went through every good player in the league that year, basically, and beat them in a playoff series. And Giannis, like, look, I know it, he takes 15 seconds to shoot a free throw, but the dude's putting up. 35 and 13 basically every night in the playoffs now. And he's pretty unstoppable. And he went toe to toe with Durant. Um, he's logging huge minutes and everything he's doing in these playoffs. I, I think he's passed a lot of checkpoints. Don't you think? So maybe that's how we'll remember it as like, wow, Giannis. Yeah. A couple other guys were on there. They had no bench. They got really lucky that Brooklyn got hurt. Giannis has been terrific, but he also had those moments against the Nets where 
you were also, if you were doing a talk show the day after one of those bad Giannis offensive games, you were saying, hey, how can we put this guy with Kawhi and Kevin Durant and LeBron mm. James? And it seemed totally reasonable to even question why you were doing it. When you look at that Mavs 11 team, going through that Heat team probably saves them from least impressive. But when you look at the resume of it, kids 37 at that point, Marion is is good. Uh, Jason that was Terry's- his last, that was Marion's last impact year. I think, and Jason Terry, but all these guys, you look at what happens to them in the two, three years after. The same thing with the 06 Heat, right? Where you look at like Walker on the 06 Heat, Peyton. Um, there's a couple couple other ones. Sh- even Shaq goes kind of in a tailspin after that, but it was... The Miami you know. 06 team was always my pick. You know, and, and again, yeah. nobody likes to hear it because if you're a Heat fan, you're like, hey, you assholes. But, you know, if you went through it, I used to say on the radio, depending on whatever the the bookmarks were of it. You say like, hey, post-Jordan, what's the worst title? And I always thought it was the 06 Heat. They got swept in f- four games the next year by Chicago. Yeah. So, it, you know, again, you won and the title. But title defenses matter, in my that, opinion. That means something. And yeah. you still had Haslam. You still had Wade. Wade wasn't healthy that season, but he played all four playoff games. Um Peyton only played like two of them. Antoine was in that series. I already there was a lot Adonis. of team dissension too that year too. Alonzo was on the team, so I, I don't know. I just always was like, hey, look, somebody has to. If you're ranking the 20 title winners over a 20 year span, somebody has to be ranked 20. And that's the underrated kinda, one, the underrated one is the '98 Bulls, which we broke down when we were doing all those last dance pods. With how compromised that team was by the time we got to the finals, where Pippen's basically in a back brace and. Rodman's done at that point and just it's the only way they can win is if it's like a you know a big game is if it's a slow paced game where Jordan has to really 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 take care of his gas tank um and it just wasn't a very good team he was great I mean do you do you struggle with it though do you do you sit there and go because we know whoever wins it this year we've already brought this up but whoever wins this this year is just going to get dissed and there's also part of me that wants to be respectful of who wins it this year, um, knowing that because everybody get her. Oh, cool. But, you know, if it's a football season, you know, part of that's your toughness. It's not just, hey, we got lucky or unlucky. How tough are you? How tough are your players? How tough is that group of guys? And to survive this playoffs with everybody going down, there's a there's a case to be made. Where like, oh, that was easy for you. But at the same time, like you've got to give the team that's actually still healthy enough to win this whole thing a lot of credit. Yeah, I guess what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is I do feel like the Lakers, Clippers, and Nets were the were all better than whoever's gonna win this. A, a healthy versions of those three teams are all kind of better than whoever we're gonna end up with. Now, You're right. You're right. If I was a fan of the Bucks or the Suns, I'd be like, fuck you. This is why we, let's not play the games then. I, I get all the arguments. I've been in situations we the 2001 Pats is a great example. That was not the best team. They won the Super Bowl. And then we got to hear about, oh, you You shouldn't have beaten the Steelers. You shouldn't be the Rams. This is why we play the games. I just think in this case, I keep going back to that game three when that box score, just go look at that Clippers Suns box score from, I mean, I'm sorry, Lakers Suns box score from game three this year. Oh, game three. And go look at like just the Davis, LeBron, like they just waxed them. They out-rebounded them by 17. I think they had, too much size for the Suns. And I think they would have figured out a way to win the series, um, especially with Chris with the banged up shoulder. Now you could argue if Chris never gotten hurt, 
maybe the maybe it would have been seven, and then the Suns and Booker gets hot. I, I get it, but uh, the seventy eight bullets they went forty four and thirty eight in the regular season. They uh, they beat San Antonio and Philly, where they were not favored in either series. The Sonics took them to seven. They won on the road in Seattle. Um, they had Elvin Hayes was their best player, but it was kind of at the tail end of whatever he was. Wes Unseld getting old. Bobby Dandridge, who was great, who I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he should be. They had no point guard. And you kind of go through that team and you're like, wow, how did they win? And the reason they won is because Bill Walton got hurt. And the Lakers had a really fucked up season. The Blazers and the Lakers were the two best teams. And then the Sixers choked and had some dissension stuff. And uh, and they just kind of won. And guess what? All these years later, nobody remembers all that stuff. It was, it was a Bullets title. And that's what it's going to be with this title. The Bucks win. It's going to be like, hey, we won. Plus, Bucks haven't won in 50 years. Suns have never won. You think they give a shit if there were injuries? So I don't, I don't want to dismiss it. It's just, it's just weird to play this whole season and we're going to have a champion and I'm just not going to be convinced that that was the best team. I need, I'll get there. I just need to wrap my head around it. No, it's going to be nasty. And I'm telling you right now, like it wouldn't, I think the most fitting thing would be for Milwaukee to win it all because that fan base doesn't get nearly enough credit for how nasty they can be. And mm. they're, you know, just get everybody that's a national talk show guy. If you're dismissive of the Bucs, I'm just telling you to like strap the vest on and get ready. I, re I really respect how they came back in that net series after losing game five. I really think that was impressive and how they pulled off the OT win on the road, all that stuff. Granted, it was Durant and, you know, a bunch of role players basically, but you still get credit for that. Like they came through, they could have rolled over. They didn't. You Everyone just thought their coach was getting fired. <laughs> they didn't roll over. You just spent 10 minutes talking about they're not. No. So I, I, I'm, all I'm saying is it's not like they didn't have real challenges that they overcame. I just think the road was really easy with even this Atlanta team. I just wish this Atlanta team was healthy. I think it would have been if Hunter was playing and Bogdanovich was healthy, this would have been a really fun matchup. It would have been small ball and then the Bucks would have had to figure out how to counter it. All that stuff. All right. I, I hate complaining about shit like this. I don't want to be that guy. I just think Bucks Suns Bucks Suns as a finals is just bizarre to me. Like, I'm not convinced either team can even score down the stretch sometimes. And we saw that Nets defense completely shut down the Bucks in some of those playoff games. We saw Phoenix yesterday couldn't make a shot for our, the entire fourth quarter in a must-win game. And I guess that I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that because scoring is so easy these days. We're going to end up with this finals team where I'm not convinced either team can really get a basket when they need to. Although. Milwaukee certainly did today. All right. That's it. We take that as far as we could. I think you're a little dismissive of the best version of a healthy Phoenix. Chris Paul not being away from NBA games for a week. I think their offense is a little better than you're giving it credit. I think you're right. It was horrible I also, last night. I really think the Lakers would have beaten them if Anthony Davis didn't get hurt. As I weird as that Lakers team was, I just think they were winning the series. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, three, three sport movie club. Guys who have made three sports movies that were all good movies. Costner, Wait, Stallone. Where, where was this on the rundown? 
Costner, Stallone, Quaid, Omar Epps, Adam Sandler, Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman, Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes, Will Ferrell, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> the three sports movie club. I'm not counting Jamie Foxx. I'm not counting Bill Murray. I'm not counting Mark Wahlberg. And I'm not counting The Rock, even though technically you could argue they made three sports movies. What are The Rock's three? It's two kids movies and then Gridiron Gang. Okay, Jamie Foxx is any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. He does Ali. He's the trainer. And then That's he's right. in that he's boxing Brown. movie. He's a boxer in some movie too. He's going to be in the Tyson movie, isn't he? Yeah. So maybe what Tyson movie would be his official entry in there. What about Billy Zabka? No, because you can't count sequels. It's got to be three different franchises. Because that's why Stallone Stallone gets in for victory over the top in Rocky Balboa. Over the top counts? Over the top. Oh, fuck yeah. Arm wrestling. It's a sports movie. I've it's been a, to live arm wrestling, Chelsea Pier. It's the best arm wrestling divorce movie anyone's ever made. I've said that for 20 years. You Nobody's have. ever done a better version. Others have tried. Have they, though? Wait, isn't there an arm wrestling series out right now? On like I a, don't know. A premium channel? I keep I waiting for arm wrestling to catch on, and it's just not, it just hasn't happened. There used to be a guy that would show up at one of the dive bars I worked at, and he'd be like, hey, and they were not college students. And be like, any of you guys want to put put a couple beers on beating my buddy here. And we'd be like, you guys showed up to the bar. It's like eight. We're not even really open, but we are. Yeah. And the first thing you asked was the staff, if we want to arm wrestle you guys, like your one guy, like, no. Nah. Then a couple guys would do it. Get smoked. And we pour them natural light. Be like, yeah, you kind of actually lost. It always leads to violence or the potential of violence. It was you so early. Guys arm wrestling. Nobody was nobody was drunk enough. It was like the staff. Mm. And you just were like, so what? You're a mechanic and you're 28 and you showed up to a college dive bar to challenge door guys to arm wrestle for free beer. Like, yeah, this, what, what are you guys doing tomorrow? Do you have, you have, I, have it, I have the night off if you guys want to meet up. I follow a account on Instagram that I think is called Drunk People Doing Things. And... And there's always, it's always stuff like that. It's always like, uh, you know, somebody falling through a table, somebody falling off a balcony, somebody thinking they can do something that they end up not being able to do. It's a really good account. I there highly recommend it. There was a show called Game of Arms and the first Google result is, did it get canceled? Hmm. So check Can we talk out. about uh, this Dame Lillard situation, which is still developing? We, di we didn't do it in part one because we wanted to find out if anything else was going to happen. Billups got a five-year deal tonight. And just going backwards, I I heard a week and a half ago, somebody who knows things told me, watch out for the Portland situation. It's going to get weird. I'm like, okay, nothing happened. So I was like, oh, all right, bad tip. Now it's getting weird. And it seems like the root of this is Dame Lillard being upset that he's getting blamed for the backlash to the Chauncey Billups hiring because of the sexual assault uh, allegation, civil suit settlement in the late 90s. And I don't know if Lillard was online reading all the tweets or what was going on or whether this was brewing for the last couple of weeks, but we are now at the point where Chris Haynes, who has broken a lot of Blazer stuff and broken a lot of Dame stuff, is like Dame is unhappy and 
it's just reading the tea leaves and how it goes with superstars. It seems like we're headed for our first unhappy superstar trade with this. What do you think? There's some language in the Chris Haynes tweet that I think is a real problem if you're a Trailblazers fan. All right. Um, let's go over a little bit more of the timeline too, because we heard that Jason Kidd was going to be interviewed and then he decided not to interview. And I think it's probably because he figured out he was going to get the Dallas job, right? Right. Like, is now that we put this all together, like, wait a minute, Portland would have interviewed Jason Kidd. And if that's who Dame wanted, but then Kidd wanted to go coach Luca, then Dame can't really be mad at the front office there. Um, Lillard wanted Kidd. If you go back right. and you actually read the stories, he was like, Jason Kidd is my guy. And Kidd backed out. And it seemed weird, but now it doesn't seem as weird because he got the Dallas job. Right. Okay. So then you've got the tweet from Chris Haynes, who you were right, is absolutely plugged in to Dame Lillard. Like none of us should pretend that this is not a very, very close star media relationship, right? We're on the same page there. So Yeah. It doesn't mean that Dame fed him the information, but he no. certainly has enough sources in and around Dame that if Chris Haynes is tweeting about Dame, I take it seriously. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So the most recent, the pin tweet on Hayes, uh, Haynes's profile, excuse me, the backlash in Portland Trailblazer coaching search and his concerns over whether a championship contender could be built had become major factors that could force Damian Lillard to request out. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. So then you read the article, and I promise I'm not going to read the entire thing. I just, I've looked at it a couple times here, Bill, and I think there's some, I think what we're seeing here is the tracks are being laid for Dame to be able to angle it. Because like when guys want out, some guys really care about. I mean, back to the old Kevin Garnett thing. Guys were telling him to force his way out of Minnesota for years, but he back then people didn't really do it. Certainly not like they do it now, and not like no one had ever done it. But Garnett was like, you know, I love these T Wolves fans. I love what they've done with me. So I don't want to tell Timberwolves fans like I'm out. So the weird thing was is that Lillard felt like because social media was critical of the Billups hire because of what you'd mentioned, that then that bothered Dame. So you're like, well, people were, people were coming at Dame, I think, because he was being accused of this was his candidate. Why didn't he care about the story? And however social media works. Okay. And there was, these guys are online all the time. They see stuff or they hear stuff. And it, it seems like a catalyst for something that was probably brewing anyway with him, where he clearly wasn't that happy after the season to begin with. And maybe he didn't have input in the coach. Maybe he wanted Jason Kidd. Maybe he wasn't happy with the explanation. Maybe they weren't cluing him in. Maybe this was going to be Billups all along. Maybe he felt like he wasn't being uh, consulted. Here's the paragraph that scares me. If L you're a Blazers quote, fan. Right. Quote, Lillard has remained loyal to Portland in large part due to the tremendous fan base. All right. So already you're complimenting these guys being like, I'm about to ask out, but I just want to let you know how special you are. Okay. But over the last few days, he's seen some of the uh, same fans attacking him on social media, uh, pending for pending coaching hire. He played no part in consummating sources said. So <laughs> the fact that there's a compliment to the fans feels very red flag PR ish yeah that's that's just me over here Rosillo 101 pr pr 101 is that you're like okay so what you're doing is you're telling the fans like i love you guys but here we go and then it's also titled like could force his way out haynes knows right now if damian lillard 
wants to stay or wants out. Maybe Damian Lillard hasn't made the decision. So if he hasn't, then Haynes can't possibly know. But if Lillard has made a decision, then I think Haynes is leading us in a direction here where this is the start of it. It's all putting together stuff, secondhand guesswork or whatever. But I thought the part where it's almost like, hey, if you're going to print the story, make sure that I there's something in there that recognizes how great the fans have been to me over the years. That scares me. And then you have the New York Post story that goes up two and a half hours ago, ago about how the Knicks are waiting patiently. Well, they're going to be waiting a while. What what do they have to offer? I mean, people can make fun of Olshay all they want. What what do the Knicks have? It's basically RJ and a million picks. It's a better offer than whatever Houston got for Harden. I think I think I agree with you. I think Portland can do better. You have a situation where Dame is going to want to go where he can win which is the old conundrum. I have to trade all this stuff for you. Now I don't have enough left so you can win. That's a problem. Which leads us back to the Philly conversation we were having before, where if it's like Simmons and Maxie and Thibel and four first-round picks, like whatever, you just put together a mega package and get Dame back. Dame and Bede, try some buyout guys. You try to get your version of Blake Griffin. Patch it together. There's also, there's a new owner in Portland, um, you know, because Paul Allen died. I think it's his sister is kind of running the show for now. I I had always heard that they were selling. Um, and I'm sure like from a stability standpoint, this isn't great if you're looking to sell the team. So you got that piece too. I mean, I unless, unless Dame absolutely needs to be in New York City, but every time everybody's, Roll that storyline out. No one's gone there. You know, <laughs> it would actually make, you know, who would actually make more sense is the Bulls, except that they just traded all their picks for Vucevic. But, you know, they could give Zach back and a couple other things, but they're kind of down on picks. I'm just trying to think of major markets. And then I was thinking, Boston. There's a, no, there's a fun Warriors situation. It's Go like ahead. Wiggins, Wiseman, seven, 14, and two more number ones. And and then they basically just have Dame, <laughs> Dame, Curry, and Clay in the same team. Two more number ones, it'll be 29 and 30. <laughs> right. I was trying to think, I got excited for a second thing, like Dame, Clay, and Curry. It would be like when Dame and Curry play together in the All-Star game and it just becomes like Papa shot. I just would love like, these other stars that score a ton of points to go into Golden State system, and then like the first practice, five minutes in, they'd be like, "What? What are you guys doing off the ball? What are you? That's called a screen. <laughs> That's why do you guys? You guys set screens? What? Does New Orleans call? Well, everyone calls first of all, uh, but does New Orleans call with like a real offer where it's like, here's Brandon Ingram, and we have a lot of picks." He's not going to go to New Orleans. I wouldn't think. I mean, but here's the deal. I mean, if you want to get weird, I would imagine somebody is getting involved here because the four-year extension that's worth, what, 196 kicks in here? He's 31. Four-year extension kicks in. So the weird thing is you'd be trading for somebody. I mean, this is kind of the new stuff that we always knew was going to happen. Like, we're going to have a draft pick again say, I'm not playing there. We're going to have a rookie extension eligible guy Say, even though I could be losing the 40 million, 
I'm not going to sign the extension here. All of these things are going to happen. The the evolution of the power will mm. continue in this direction. So if a guy has four years left on his deal, this would be new territory for somebody demanding to ask for a trade. So that might that might change it a little bit. You know, that might change it a little bit. Or Portland's like, well, look, you're the one asking out. I don't have to do any favors. So, but that's where the agent part of it comes in, where you go, okay, well, how much juice does the agent have to make sure that everybody's on the same page if a deal like this happens? Because it's not like you're trading somebody who's up in a year. You know what I mean? Like the teams that wanted to trade for Anthony Davis, if Anthony Davis had shown up, he might have played for a year and a half, but at some point he was probably going to end up in L.A. Um, or you could go the Oklahoma City route where you're like, everybody's telling us don't trade for Paul George because he's going to bounce. Then he signs, and then he bounces anyway. So, um, again, this is – we could. I, I'd have to know what's important to him. I have a hard time believing he'd want to go to the Knicks for everything that they'd have to give up, and I don't really know that there's enough there. You could probably do a lot better, and he's under contract. Um, but it's probably again, the Sixers. If I'm running a New York newspaper, of course I'm running that story tonight. So whatever. I have a really, really serious question for you. <laughs> okay. Is smart Tristan Thompson and Time Lord enough to get Dame, or do I have to also throw in picks? Maybe some pick swaps in the second round, just to even <laughs> it out a little bit. Would How you many first round picks do I have to throw in? No, I don't want to trade Jalen. I don't want to trade Jalen or Tatum. Can I just root for those guys for the rest of the decade? I love those guys. You'd rather have Jalen than Damian Lillard. I didn't say that. Well, kind of you did. I just don't think, th I don't think they're getting Damian Lillard with, with a Jalen package. Do you? Sounds a lot better than any of the Knicks package stuff that we'd be talking about. I love Jalen Brown. I don't want to trade Tatum or Jalen. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We got to do two-man draft. Coming back, um, I tweaked my Boston package a little bit. <laughs> Does Romeo Langford entice you? I liked, his, I liked Romeo Langford's defensive effort um, in in certain bursts. I'll, what about the Blazers Edge post about Simons, Langford, dot, 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 backcourt of the future? Question mark. No? Two-man draft. So here, here's the deal. Russell and I, it's a two-man league now. Unless for next Nets. year, for next season, you could have any two guys to try to win the title. Two-man draft. Two-man combos that are on the same team. Who are you picking? Russillo, I'll give you the first pick. By the way, for this, you can, for Phoenix, you can do Aiton and Booker. You can do Chris Paul and Aiton. Right. You do Chris Paul and Booker, any any two guys on the same team. All right, just so the listeners and, and also your co-host understand the assignment, because I, I think I have it right. What we're essentially doing is picking two-man units, one through 30. Like, so yes. we'll say... Yes, that's right, what so, we're doing. Right, so if I pick a team, I'm saying these are their two best players, and I think this two-man unit for next season is the best two-man unit I can go with. Is... Right? No lottery picks eligible in this. You no. can't pick like Cade Cunningham and Jeremy Grant. No, you can't. And by the way, like, who do you think you are, Jerry West? You should start projecting lottery picks here. Although there's a couple teams where the lottery pick may be a better option, even as an unknown, than who their second best player is. So, all right, here we go. I know immediately as soon as I say it, what's going to happen, but I don't care. I'm taking the Lakers with LeBron and AD for one more year. Okay. LeBron. 
Davis. I'm taking Durant and Harden. That's who I had. Uh, I would have taken them first. You would have taken them first? I, I think Durant's not, the best player in the league. All right. Um, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I will then happily take Steph and Clay. Wow, Clay coming off the Achilles and the ACL. You're undaunted. Not, not, not even remotely worried about it. He's due. He's due for some good luck. Holy shit. Wasn't I also get Steph that. Curry. Have you heard of him? Steph Curry, you did. It's a good pick. Um, oh, man, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Curry and Claire out. I'm going to take Giannis and Middleton. Yeah, I think that's... Now, here's the thing. As I take LeBron and AD, the listeners are going, are you kidding me? Those two guys just both ended up hurt. That's the whole point. Everybody at the top, the best two-man units, all have injury questions except for Milwaukee. Yep. So that's why Milwaukee's a good pick there. All right. So with the fourth pick, you take Milwaukee. I will then take... I mean, I can't believe I'm doing this. But if I'm talking like peak performance, best player still... I'll still take the Clippers, two guys. Okay. Kawhi like and Reggie it. Jackson. <laughs> I think that was a really good pick. Uh, I can't. Oh, I just, I would tell anybody that's like, I can't believe you're taking all these. Go, it's just like the all NBA voting this year. Like, all right, cool. That guy's hurt. You're mad about that guy. Pick somebody who isn't because they've all been hurt. I'm going to take Jokic, Jokic and Murray. Figure right. Murray comes back in March in time for the playoffs. And I get the MVP, Nikola Jokic. A fine young lad who invited his coach to drink with him in Serbia. And said, You're not, you can go to Serbia, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be. You won't be able to find me. Yeah. Have that you seen a, my brothers? Did you read that at all? Did Bill's uh, team chemistry sensors go off at all when you saw that quote? I liked it. Right. I like that him and Malone are close. I think I actually think that's a good thing. It's there's a, some Pop Duncan vibes with him, not with uh, I don't think Malone's as good of a coach as Pop. But all right, so first six picks: LeBron Davis, Durant, Harden, Steph Clay, Giannis, Middleton, Kawhi, PG, Jokic, Murray. You have the seventh pick. This just for the people listening, it's going to get the most fun when we get to like pick twenty three. Were you telling me it hasn't been really fun now? Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Give me, give me Chris Paul and Booker for another year. Wow. Okay. Poor DeAndre Ayton. He's like, what did I have to do? Um, some guys just don't have a second guy, which leads me to Tatum and Jalen. Three conference finals, four years, just for the record, for everybody ready to bitch about that one. I had them ninth on my board, so. Well, they went eighth. <laughs> I'm just wondering, I'm wondering how much higher in beating Simmons would have gone a month ago. Oh, I much guess. higher. I'm wondering but, if Simmons is the second guy you're going to have with Embiid. This is where it gets a little dicier because it's like, do I just take, because the, the problem with the game 
can be, oh, I can't believe that second guy sucks. It's like, yeah, but did you pay attention to who the first guy was? Yeah. All right. I can't just do, I can it. do it. Just do it. I don't think I can do it yet. Do it. Just bring in that, bring in that seven foot three Latvian. Come on. <laughs> Pull the trigger. It's in so bad. Uh, I'll take Luca though, because I could still get Luca. And yeah, I have to I have to write Porzingis down too. I almost took him with the last pick. I mean, right, you're so getting that, Luca, all right? So getting Luca. I, I'm saying it out loud. I'm talking myself into it after I did it. So I think that's a great pick. I looked at it for a while. Wow. I'm going to take. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> That's how I feel about the next five or six. At the end, it's so bad. It's I'm going to take <laughs> Embiid and Seth Curry. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> Yeah, I guess, but it's not. I feel like that's the first Danny Cannell move of the night where we used to have Why? all these games. I'm just getting in beat. I don't even care who my second guy is. We would have all these games in the radio show, and then once like we'd figure out what we wanted to do, then we'd bring it back the next week, and he'd already like just cheat and just he'd be like, So I should can't. I do Embiid Simmons? Like I, I don't want to cheat. No, I just no, don't no, feel like fine. Simmons is Simmons is gonna be in the team. May oh, can I let me do this? Can I tweak it? Can I tweak this? It is your game and your podcast. I'm going to do Embiid and whatever the Simmons asset is next season. Embiid and Simmons asset TBD. That's fair, right? Because yeah, they're either going to have Simmons or some version of, of some asset that will be better than Seth Curry. So, and you're still getting Embiid on the 10th pick. Yeah, so, with Simmons right. or, or Simmons trade piece TBD. Right. All right. Um, then I'll go ahead and take Dame. CJ. Good one. I almost took him. Oh, now it's getting really, now it's getting good. I'm going to go Butler and Bam. Really good. Good good value. Solid, solid balance there. Yeah, good value. I'm excited about it. I'm going to go Zion Ingram post Stan Van Gundy. With who's his running mate? Zion and Brandon Ingram post Stan Van Gundy. Got it. Do it. <laughs> Do what? Man, the, the board's really dropping. Jesus. It's just a question of who I want to put with Trey Young. I'll say Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter. How about that? That seems like a stretch. It's not Bogdanovich or Collins. Trey Young and Collins. I'll do that. And even if I don't love Collins, he's been so big in the playoffs. Yeah. He's had some really big Trey and Collins. Here. That's good. Yeah. I feel good I, about that. Good I just value. don't think we've seen enough from Hunter yet to be able to put him ahead of I those other guys. I do love Hunter. Uh, all right. Go ahead and give me Mitchell and Gobert. We'll figure it out. Tough, tough times for Mitchell and Gobert. That's lower than you would have thought. Five, ten. That's the, they're the 15th pick. They're the heart of a one seed. That's, That's really too tough. low. That's too low, but, you know, current events. Um, <sighs> I'm going to go with Vooch and Zach Levine. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, great pick. Now it gets weird. 
You thought it got weird before. We're now in the bottom half of the draft. That was the 16th pick. Okay, I'm going to take Sabonis and Brogdon. Mm, I looked at them. What'd you see? What'd your, what'd your people say? What'd I your was thinking about them with, with Rick Carlisle coaching those two guys that I thought that was a good upside pick. I like it. Now, if Karis LeVert's playing, I, I don't want them. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. Can't wait. I'm going to take DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges. Wait. All right. Now you're cheating. No, I'm not cheating. <laughs> Phoenix 2? Yeah, I'm taking Phoenix's three and four over everyone else left on the board. That's ridiculous. Maybe Phoenix should win the title. Why is that ridiculous? Look who's left. That's, yeah, that's that's too much. Aiton and Bridges. Yeah, go ahead. Your next pick is, I'm not going to like as much as Aiton and Bridges. I'm watching them win their third playoff series together. Give me. I care about titles. Uh, so wait, that means I can take Caruso and Schroeder? You can do whatever you want. I can take Kemba and <laughs> Shaco just Alex. Yeah, Boku, yeah. All right. I didn't do the I didn't do the game this way, but that's all right. So Phoenix times two. Backup unit there. Let me go ahead and take I'll take Jaw and I, honestly I have to put Dylan Brooks down. Yeah. I think you're right. I thought about John Triple J, but we just haven't just, seen him healthy. I guarantee Chris Vernon is A, furious that he didn't have this idea, and B, furious that Ja went that low. <laughs> oh, man. This is, oof. Now it gets weird. It's, it's really, really dark now. Um, Do it. I know what you're looking at right now. Because they can't be much lower than they are right now. No, I'm not doing that. I know what you're thinking. And I'm do not, it. I'm not. No, I'm not doing that. You won't do it if it's the 30th pick. You won't do it. God, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but Towns and Edwards. Wow. I didn't think you would ever take Towns. I just feel like the upside of Edwards in year two, when we have all these year two leaps, like I just like that. There's a lot of talent with those two. Fair. Compared to who I'm looking at. Fair. All right. I'll take the leading scorer in Westbrook. Beal and Russ. Yeah. You know, I they just still should it. be in a healthy East with everybody healthy. Those two guys should still get into the playoffs. And I just you know, couldn't look. get there. Oh, man. This is getting dark. <sighs> I can't wait for the end. Those last couple teams. I'm going to take Fox and Halliburton. I knew that was coming. Thanks. Okay, now it's... I think the only thing left that makes sense that you go, okay, give me Gordon Hayward and LaMelo. Mm. I wish I had taken them Three picks my ago. last pick. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, I'll do Randall and Quickly. You don't have Barrett second? Oh, I'll do Randall and Barrett. Sorry. I, I just like Quickly. All right, Randall yeah, and Barrett. Apparently you do. 
Okay. I forgot uh, about Barrett. Oh, I should have taken them instead of Fox and Halliburton. Well, you got him and you got both now. You got Halliburton. Yeah, right. No one I, likes Halliburton more nationally than you do. I hope he understands that. Yeah, I did. I did take him two picks too high. I was like that guy in the fantasy league that's like, you know, I love Nikhil Harry this year. I'm just going to grab him. 19 bucks. <laughs> All right. Okay. Right. Um, this, even though I'm not the big God, I end up with a bunch of people that I think I talk, I make arguments against, but Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Because with Lowry's uncertainty of where he's going to be, um, and look, Siakam, I don't love that I think Semi Ojale locked them up in a playoff series, but Van Vliet's been a terrific player. And that's uh that's great value this late in the draft for the two man. I'm gonna take Kyrie and Joe Harris. All right, you <laughs> suck. Are you sure you want Joe Harris over Blake? Blake's not, we don't know if he's on the team next year. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. Yeah. But we have to draft two from every team. That's okay. the rule. And then the draft's over once we have the 30th team. There's some good teams left. Just for the people listening, Cleveland's left, Detroit. Good teams left? Or just some, from a comedy standpoint, Orlando, Houston. I might take uh, Draymond and Wiseman. Go ahead. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to break the rules here. Okay. Give me. Give me Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen. We just really bottomed out. I love the despair every time you have to make a pick. It's just, I, I mean, now you're just looking for one good guy. I, I'll take, I'll take SGA and Kemba. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, that actually I should have taken SGA because he's just better than Garland and Allen. If we, if the exercises for next year. That was a mistake. I should have taken him. I had SGA and Dort. Oh, I I had SGA and Poku just for the comedy, but I could I didn't have the courage to say Poku's name. All right. So now that leaves us with this is amazing how many times I land on guys. Although I think I've been more pro John Wall than anti. Uh, I'll take Houston with John Wall and Christian Wood. Ah, oh. I think that's good value. It's better than what's left. I had Wood and Tate as my two for that team. So Cleveland's off the board. So there's three teams left? Yeah. Here's the here's who we have so far. LeBron Davis, Durant Harden, Steph Clay, Giannis Middleton, Kawhi Paul George, Jokic Murray, Chris Paul Booker, Tatum Jalen, Luca Porzingis, Embiid and Simmons or Simmons trade asset to be named later. Damon, CJ, Butler and Bam, Zion and Ingram, Trey and Collins, Mitchell and Gobert, 15th. Vooch, Levine, Sabonis, Brogdon, Aiton Bridges, Ja Brooks, Towns, Edwards, Beal, Russ, Fox, Halliburton, Hayward, Lamelo, Randall Barrett, great value, Siakam, FVV, Kyrie Harris, Garland, Allen, SGA, Kemba, Wall, Wood. We've I should have taken, yeah, that's my only mistake. I don't. You know, I felt like I was really locked in here, but I, I think I regret having the two Cleveland guys over Shea Gilders Alexander because he's just better. Like, it's not even close right now. I'm going to take... Is there a bet? Who's the best second banana on, on Detroit? Can I... Is it weird if I took Killian Hayes and just hoped he was good? Yeah, because you'd be making a mistake. Who's Who would you take with Jeremy Grant? 
Sadiq Bey is your second best player that's still on the team. Yeah. I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take Hayes and hope he's good. Grant and Hayes. I'm just gonna trust KOC. I'm gonna trust the KOC process. He believes in Killian Hayes. Two okay. teams left. This this <laughs> this is unbelievable, but I still think I'm gonna take Orlando because of Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac is the best remaining asset of any of the combinations of anything. Now, you could say Jonathan Isaac and Fultz. You could say Wendell Carter Jr., who we touched on and having faith earlier. You could say Cole Anthony. I don't know. Um, but I'll still go with Jonathan Isaac because San Antonio's options right now for who is actually part of the future of this team. Is DeRozan the doesn't count. DeRozan doesn't count. So it's DeJounte and... Or Keldon and Derek, Johnson. Yeah, Keldon Johnson, Derek White. I mean, so who do you have with Isaac? I'll just say Fultz, but I, you know, I'm like, eh. What about Cole Anthony? Fine. Okay. I'll take him 29th still. Or I guess no, this, this case, is now 30, 30, 31st. Yeah. yeah. Hit 31st. I'm going to take Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say to Antonio Gus. This is brutal podcast for San Antonio fans. They had no idea. They're just listening for fun, having a good time, and it's a drive-by shooting. Okay, but is it wrong? Like, when you add up your top two guys and what your hopes are for who your top two guys are, and it's, yeah. DeJount it's DeJounte Murray, who I like. DeJounte Murray and then dot, dot, dot. They might keep I think DeRozan. you have to take... I think it has to be... Um, Keldon? Draymond Green and Wiseman here. Yeah, well, I didn't know we were doing this when I mapped it out this morning at 10 a.m. Well, but I'm, I'm giving it to you right now. Yeah, but you know, you know me. I like to, I like to put it all together. I mean, this is where you start saying I'd rather have Capella and Herder. Is that your pick? You want a Kongu and Herder? I take a Kongu and Herder right now. <laughs> all right, a Kongu I would take Herder over half the league. All right, so you have a Kongu and Herder. Kavon? You kidding me? That kid. They might start Freak Nick again because of Kavon Herder. I'm taking Holiday and Lopez. And then you can, I'm just not taking San Antonio. I'm going to keep coming up with two guys and not, so I don't have a San Antonio combo. Okay. Again, rough times for San Antonio. All right. Let's, uh, let's see how, let's, I'll, I'll take Draymond and Wiseman then. It's great. I think that's great value. I want to see how long you can go before you feel like somebody has to take San Antonio. I'm trying to figure out who to team Marcus Smart with. Um, I'll take Murray and Keldon Johnson. Okay, be be honest. Would you rather have Marcus Smart and and Rob Williams for no. next year and then build around it than Dejounte Murray and Keldon? No, I like both of those guys. I'm happy with my team. That's it. That ended the draft. San Antonio was thirtieth. We had what about to, what about Lonzo and and Steven Lonzo's Adams? not on a team. We don't know where. Yeah, he is. I'm just saying. I'm trying. I'm trying to see how far we can go here. What about oh, you? Bagley? You want to do you want to do worse two man combos? Bledsoe and Stephen Adams. Bagley. <laughs> Would you rather have Bledsoe and Stephen Adams to start a team or Dejounte Murray and Keldon Johnson? Dejounte. I'd much rather have Dejounte Murray and Keldon Johnson. 
It's a no-brainer. What, what about Maxi and Tobias Harris? Nah. Right. I'm out on Tobias after that playoff series. How many how many six footers did he short arm in that series? Like at least twenty five, right? Tobias Harris is just rent free in my head all the time because whenever I'm like, "Hey, he's pretty good," you know, he, he could, you know, he could really, and then it's like, "Nope, no, this is why you doubt him." And then when I start doubting him, he'll go for like twenty and a half, and I go, "Oh no, he's pretty good." You know what? He's pretty steady, and then he disappears again. So I mean, he's he's a good player. We all know the deal. So top five was LeBron Davis. Durant Harden, Steph Clay, Giannis Middleton, Kawhi, and Paul George. How low did you have Golden State on yours? I actually, I didn't, I jotted down everybody, but didn't officially rank it. I wanted to draft in the moment, which is what Bill Belichick does. I'm convinced. No rankings. I think he has a a list of guys, and I think he's just off feel once it gets to draft day. He's like, ah. Kyle Duggar's looking good. <laughs> Grab him. It's the right spot. Any, any wrestlers? Yeah, is going to need our stout wrestlers? Play the, so, a little edge. Did you play Australian rules football once? All right, Rosella. We did it again. I hope the Milwaukee fans aren't mad at us. It's our job to wonder, you know, if this w- was... Well, it's too late. As far as not so, one of so our most even, impressive playoff seasons. Don't even bother. It's like, Listen, it's, how, we, we praise Giannis profusely. I think he's, I, I'm really in on Giannis right now. I'm, I'm buying all the Giannis stock. You wait until minute 15, 115. The, the Bucks fans are already done. I'm just telling they're, you, it's, 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 it's a right. very, it's a tough group at times. They're going to win the title and they'll be fine. Rosillo, uh, we'll see you on your podcast twice this week. And then next week, we are not going to be back on Sunday night. Um, that is July 4th. We'll be running to rewatchables that day. And you and I are going to figure out, depending on what the final schedule is, we will still be once a week doing a combo pod, but we don't know what day it is because we want to see the final schedule. The, the way it's shaping up, there's no finals games on Sunday this year. There might just be one. That's it. Yeah, I thought there would be one. No, I don't know. I don't look there, at that stuff. There's a version of the schedule. If, if the final starts July 6th, where we're just not getting Sunday finals games. So we will see. Good to see you. Be safe. All right, that's it for this special two-part Sunday extravaganza. Thanks, Rosella. Thanks to producer Kyle Creighton. We'll be back on this feed at least on Tuesday. I think I'll do two more pods this week. Who knows? We'll do at least one as we head toward July 4th weekend. Don't forget about a new rewatchables coming Monday night. See you on that feed. See you in this feed in two days.